now that we've sort of given our our spoiler free sort of endorsements, I think it's time to maybe sort of crack the the spoiler seal and just uh, issue a a hail and hearty spoilers um, to anybody sort of proceeding past this point. Uh, if the game is ruined, we will probably talk explicitly about certain narrative beats. And if that is going to ruin the game for you, um, because you do have some intention, uh, you need to just sort of bounce now. Uh, all that being said, let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, so, Josh, I and Wes, you guys both sort of did talk about something that I, I wanted to bring up: the humor, or in some ways, the lack of like. And I, I made the, the comment that it is a little absurd. Um, and there are oh, yeah. absolutely some just biz- bizarre scenarios mm-hmm. um, that, frankly, actually start to, like, as the game progresses, start to make a little bit of sense, which is kind of weird um, because I almost prefer sort of just the, the lighthearted sort of like almost like, because I, I guess it's, it's, it's a little bit like, um, uh dissonant maybe is, yeah. is like but it feels a little disjointed because earthbound was kind of like slapsticky a little funny and kind of goofy and had like a real light spirit about it and frankly earth or mother three here um sometimes will sort of like get into gag material mm-hmm. but then it's also like the actual subject matter is really really intense yes like you know, even starting at the beginning here, uh, let, let's start like the the first big nasty moment with uh, Hanawa's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, dude, like first thirty minutes of the game, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, hey, your mom's dead. Sucks to be you." Yeah. Or actually, well, and at that point in time, it's it's not your mom because you're playing as Flint. Your wife is dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's why this game is called Mother. (laughs) (laughs) Because they all die. Because, yeah, this paragon of goodness uh, that is encapsulated by the mother figure, the Hanawa, dies. And and it does happen off screen, but even that is very unsettling because the way it's revealed, too, is I I can't remember the character's name. He was one of the the NPCs in the town. Is just like, what, what did he say? He was like, I found this steak or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just where well, I have good news and bad news. Yeah. I found this Drago thing. It's super freaking cool. I mean, yeah. here you go. The bad news is where I found it. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, it was like, oh, through your wow. wife's chest, you know, like she was mm-hmm. impaled by it. It was just like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's not only that though. Because that alone, I mean, e- even that is is like a a big deal. But then you see mm-hmm. the aftermath of that. You see Flint freak out, which honestly mm-hmm. is one of the most human moments in a video game that I've ever seen. It was not like a cartoon. It was like an ac- what an actual human being would do because he starts like fighting the people around him. He's in. He's just in grief. And, you know, and then he like just falls flailing. to the ground and starts hammering on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, mm-hmm. how do 16 bits like capture this, this moment so well? This is crazy. I, I feel like you have to give that, that the, the animator on that scene, like 
like that team or those individuals or that individual, whoever sort of like directed or coordinated that scene, that's masterful. Like honestly, some of the most heart wrenching sixty, like mm-hmm. not just just not just I I don't think you can even like caveat it with just like sixteen bit. Just like that sequence mm-hmm. was devastating. Yeah, like right. I was like. I was like watching Flint just sort of fall apart. I was mm-hmm. just like, "Holy mm-hmm. crap!" Yeah, that Most that moment right there is yeah, top ten. Yeah. Like, yeah, you you were gonna say something, well, Wes, and I. Yeah, I mean, well, especially it's like he's in front of like his his friends mm-hmm. from the town, mm-hmm. which you know everybody's super close knit, and he's just been right. spending his entire day rescuing them from various fire related problems. And he comes and that happens and he just like completely breaks. But it's also in front of his kids too. Yeah. Because his mm-hmm. kids are huddled around the fire and yeah. he eventually goes and he like smashes the fire with his fist, takes out a board that's on fire and starts flinging it around at all these people that he had just helped save. And it's mm-hmm. like such a cruel, just it, just such a cruel scene, really. That's, that's yeah. really what it felt like to me. It's just like this guy just spent all this time helping everybody else. And now he's the one basically that has to pay the price for this crazy accident that happened and it's mm-hmm. like oh and his kids are watching and it's just like it, it just really gives you pause it's just like oh boy i hope i never find myself in a situation like that where my my even my own children could see me in such a stage of grief that it yeah. would just absolutely frighten them to death and that will actually come up later i think which we can talk about once we get to that part but oof, i think that has implications for the rest of the game that are not yeah. pretty whatsoever yeah yeah Definitely, definitely. That that that's a whole other road. Or yes, we will we will get there. Like I definitely want to talk about that in the context of the game and even even the series as a whole. Um, but also, I, I have to say, like I had the fact that Hinawa dies in the beginning of the game spoiled before I played the game, so I mm. knew what was going to happen. But this scene still like shook me i was shooketh um because it wasn't only that like okay um i'm just gonna bring it up because we talked about it last episode a a little bit but um in the in the game uh shadow of mordor at the beginning of the game similarly your wife and child are the main characters wife and child are are killed pretty soon you know like within the first like hour they're killed in front of the main character and that felt way more just like, okay, this is a story beat than this scene that feels so human and then and then has the aftermath. I was prepared for Hinawa's death. I was not prepared for um, the way that the characters would react because of it, you know? Yeah, and- all the other... The other- sort of things that fell out because of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was masked by the humor in the game, right? By by even even the fact that um, you come upon, Lucas comes upon Klaus and he's like sparring with one of these Dragos, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. they're just friends, you know? They're, they're not, they wrestle around. Like what, how is that going to happen? So- well, it, like, let's talk about that for a second, though, because like that that whole sequence where Klaus is like like charging the yeah. the Dragos, and they're they're like these basically mm-hmm. giant T Rexes, and he's just like abusing them, and they're just like ah, ah cool, like, and that sets the tone is like this is a this is a parody, 
like this is a paradise. Mm. This is like mm-hmm. creation in this instant. Like the the like the fear of man and the fear of beast is not there. Right. Um for it's like very edenic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's very edenic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And then death enters the picture. <laughs> Whole Man. lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so, and I think too, and it, maybe this is just sort of reading in way more, but like even given the fact that it is such like an edenic state, the the tragedy of this loss, and that Flint in so many ways was able to save everybody else. Mm-hmm. But then his wife dies, especially the way she does. Mm-hmm. And like the way that that basically just, this is where it doesn't seem like a culture that is, has a lot of experience with loss. And so he just, to watch him sort of come unhinged there was just like, yeah, that moment is heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and it, it is jarring because it it's just like, it's surrounded by sort of all these gags and like, you know, dumb little puns and everything else. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you don't mind kind of moving into it now is, is the ripple effects that you get from that scene mm-hmm. that don't show uh, well, they're foreshadowed here in this scene. Um, but that I did not connect the dots until well after I had even finished the game um, is, is the way that it affects his children and the way that that they use their own strengths in order to the, like the the way that they are characterized. So you've got the older brother Klaus, who is much more physical, and and he's like he's the older brother. He's stronger. He's the one wrestling the dragos, and he goes off to to find his mom's body. Basically, um, he he leaves. You know, he sees his dad do what flint does and then he goes off to find his mom's body in his own strength where lucas doesn't know what to do you know and and just breaks down and cries and and doesn't have that same type of strength he just kind of like well he's grieving you know <laughs> what, what do you say mm-hmm. when you're when you're in grief um but the way that that kind of comes full circle throughout the game and you see Klaus um now I I do think this is kind of a little a little muddled because there is it's heavily implied that he's somewhat brainwashed you know that he was kind of I don't know if it was amnesia or what but he gets hurt and he's you know taken over by the pig mask army in some form or fashion so it doesn't seem like it's totally up to him but i think the characterization is implicitly says that you know his his because his strength is his physicality that i think the theme throughout the game is that that is not the right way to deal with these kinds of things um or even like the path forward kind of the standard kind of jrpg protagonist of you know, beating down all your enemies. I think this is almost a critique of that in a certain way because you become what you hate. Um, where again, I think that theme is kind of muddied because you kind of pick it apart and it doesn't quite pan out. Um, especially with the despair at the end of the game. But that's something else that we'll <laughs> that, that we'll get well, to. Right. And, yeah. And we'll we'll touch on this, but I think at one point in time, 
there there is a point not not I think I know at one point in time Flint categorizes Klaus as being hasty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just like sort of like his unwillingness to sort of like sit and sort of maybe do the hard work of planning and thinking through things is actually what landed him in a situation mm. that so i i think there's sort of moving on just like talking about it like yeah sort of and you guys we we mentioned it at one point in time but the the game is broken up in the chapters there's yeah. the prologue and then eight chapters um and each chapter again sort of features different characters um or highlights uh specific characters so uh at the end of that first chapter sort of um it's it's sort of alluded that klaus there's there's you, you sort of the chapter ends that first chapter ends with finding basically like one of klaus's sneakers near near a cliff or something like that mm-hmm. um i think mm-hmm. it shows klaus's yeah body right yeah it pans over and yeah. the way i've always interpreted it is that is that because the pig mask army is already turning these creatures into like chimera type half robot type things is that he is in some way kind of a cyborg like creature mm. at that point. And that's what they do to Klaus as well. And he's like just a victim of one of their experiments. Okay. Mm. And that's what contributes. To, I mean, it's got a very, it's got a real common writer vibe to it in that case. And I imagine that's probably a little bit of what they're going for Okay, in terms of like, okay, it's a revenge story and da 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 da. da and this character is remodeled and, loses his you know loses memories all that and sort of thing i mean it's pretty much the exact same like plot line so that's how i've always interpreted it gotcha. probably just because my framework kind of leads me to that way but <laughs> it's this idea of the artificial human and like what is what is a man at that point and how do you like define humanity that, that's, well yeah. and he's laying it when they when it sort of pans over he's laying at the at the foot of like a cliff or something or off mm-hmm. like a ledge on a cliff so it's like he could pr- presumably he could be dead Mm-hmm. or right mm-hmm. you, you know injured so badly so yeah i i think there's sort of a benefit in sort of now his hastiness and his desire to sort of like rush ahead and sort of like deal with this is what got him into that situation mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but yeah that's so, yeah that's, that's an echoing interesting like what his father is doing himself because his father is also like super hasty and his explosion of anger and he's like, well, I see that. So that must be the right way to do it because that seems to be getting results. So mm. again, the, the failure of fathers in these games. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So if you don't mind me just kind of busting in to kind of talk about that a little bit just throughout the series, because especially in the first and second games, the fathers in those games, you know, these games are called mother. And so you're focusing on your mother, right? In the first and second games, your dad was a telephone, basically. And and I think that was a very straightforward, uh, you know, um, allegory for an absentee father because, uh, especially in Earthbound, I, I believe it was the same in Earthbound Beginnings. I don't quite remember. The reason that that it's a telephone is because your dad's at work the whole time, and so so you call him on the phone while he's at work because he's working grueling hours in order to talk to him and and even in earthbound you know like uh um ness wants to to speak to like he's he is homesick and so he wants to call his mom you know throughout the game so there there is still this connection with fatherhood but it is very much a um a critique of this type of fatherhood 
that only seeks to provide without actually provide, you know, financially provide things and not actually spend time, not be able to spend time. I know part of it is also, it also has to do with Japanese culture and kind of the salaryman uh, way of life. So I, I totally get that that is in there. Um, but as I step back and take a broader look of the father figures throughout the series, um, I see a more scathing critique in that, especially when you contrast it with the mothers in the series that are very much almost like this saintly Mother Mary figure. Um, in the first game, it is the lullaby of the mother that ends up saving the entire world from this cosmic mm-hmm. evil a- alien, uh, Gigu or whatever it's called. Um, and that kind of comes back around in, in Mother 2. Um, but in Mother 3, you have Hinawa, who is this, the, again, this picture of perfection. Um, she's killed off screen too. And I think that also helps this picture um, because you don't, see, you don't even see her death. And she shows up, you know, again in the game to kind of, to, to, in, in a very motherly way to her sons. So you have this angelic picture of a mother, but then these fathers are very extremely flawed. Um, now, I would say that Flint is probably the best picture of a father that we get um, because, because you know that he loves his sons, uh, mm-hmm. where you don't see that in some of the other characters. Um, but you see his flaws and you see kind of the aftermath of of what that does to his family as well. And then some other father figures like um, one of the other characters in your party, Duster, uh, he, it's not explicit. He seems a little slow. Maybe that was just me. Uh, maybe it's just kind of hickish. I don't know. Um, but his dad is constantly berating him. Uh, and and saying how you know how he's screwing up. His son's how, an idiot. His son's a moron. moron. You he's moron. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, you moron. Uh-huh. He says that. Yeah, all the or time. You, you're probably not smart enough to learn this trick, but you know we are famous thieves. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, turn around. Don't don't peek while I'm doing this dance here. Um, so <laughs> so you see kind of the berating, and then also you know I found this out recently in Earthbound. It is. It's it's heavily implied, at least in the Japanese ver- version, that Pokey in Earthbound, Porky in this game, um, is is being chastised by his father and probably beaten. You know that 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 his parents mm-hmm. are very much uh, um, th- not okay with the way that he's living his life and are are abusing him, whether that's verbally and and physically as well. Um, and you see mm-hmm. kind of that. Well, and well, and just pr- as as a bit of a like, they probably mm-hmm. were right in not being okay with yeah, that's with true. Pokey that's true. or Porky's yeah. behavior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the whole like, you know, the the, the other side of that like abusing that 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 yeah. kid is mm-hmm. also like because that's well, true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, very explicit when you compare the two different versions of the game, like mm-hmm. what's happening there. Cause when Pokey's dad takes him to the back in the American version, it's just like, rah, 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 rah. so you hear like that kind of sound like he's like berating him. But in the Japanese version, it's like a whack, 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 whack that you hear 
with the sound effects. So it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, well, obviously something's going on there. Yeah, yeah, they, mm-hmm. yeah. They had to explicitly edit that for the for the English version. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. so I think throughout this series, there is a big theme of the 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 aftermath of parenting, you know, like, like the effects that Mm -hmm. parents have on their children. But I also think it is heavily weighted in favor of mothers, hence the the name of the series, mother, um, (laughs) over against Mm -hmm. the father figures that I feel like it's, it's, you know, 95% critique. And I don't know, I don't know anything about um, E-Toy's relationship with his parents, but it seems like he's at least saying, you know, like these are the ways that dads can screw up their kids um, by by doing by making these mistakes. That's an interesting sort of side tangent to get into or get onto, um, because I I think too what we're seeing is like the I mean, culturally we are seeing more and more homes emerge with with fatherless children mm-hmm. or deadbeat dads yep. or whatever yep. and we're seeing like there there is and it's not to say that you know children don't need mothers as well but you need both oh, yeah. yeah and i i think that you know in some ways i think we would say as as the biblical head of the household and in many ways uh, the father's influence um maybe in some ways does outweigh the mother's mm. um Maybe, right. maybe I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm hesitant to say that, yeah. um, but like maybe that the kids and, and, and kids learn more by sort of watching than they do anyways. But yeah, that's, it's, it's sort of, there is something in it. I, I definitely think that the mothers in these, these games, earthbound and mother three are sort of given, and, and I haven't played beginnings or, or mother one or whatever, or, uh-huh. But yeah, that's that's it's an interesting observation. So you you did mention uh, you, you mentioned Duster and Wes, mm. which kind of leads us into the second chapter. And we don't have to go chapter by chapter, but that does take us to towards the next story beat there. And um, you, you know, I I do think it's interesting that. And this is just sort of again like the weird sort of like disconnect there that these guys are thieves, but like one of the the secret te- techniques. Is so you, you get all these thief tools, but like it's like the staple where it's mm-hmm. just like you can the create ladders. Yeah. It, it's just like, and then like even the mm-hmm. the thief tools, it's like Duster's sort of like toolkit. He doesn't have psi, you know, the psi power, the psi powers or anything like that. But he's got like he can staple enemies, he can hypnotize them with a yo-yo, he can put on a scary mask and lower their offense, or he can tickle them and lower their defense. He can, like he can throw a smoke bomb and make them cry. I, I forgot what the last one was, but it's like he's he's sort of almost like a gadget kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, like mm-hmm. that he was a weird that's a weird kind of like i I just really feel like like chapter two and three like obviously they are the like you know the humorous portions simply because you're coming off of like such an emotional like oh my goodness what just happened this entire family's destroyed yeah okay let's have a little comedic you know interlude here before we get into like the really meaty stuff again Mm -hmm. obviously you know take it or leave it like these are really the most like throwaway chapters two and three because mm-hmm. in three you're controlling a monkey and it's just kind of like oh he's trying to get back with his girlfriend all right mm-hmm. yeah it, it, i mean it says a lot about the characters and it shows you a little bit of stuff behind the scenes but it just really feels like 
almost like an anime filler arc at that point. It's like, okay, okay, let's just have a little bit of levity before we start getting into the more depressing stuff again. Yeah. So I, I do have to I say they, they introduce another great character that's a reoccurring character throughout the game is the rope snake. Oh yes, it's uh, totally a main a character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally yeah. a main. He's really character. the most important one, honestly, because he saves the day. Yeah, he did get a little annoying at times, but I still, I still, there's a special place in my heart for that rope snake. Um, because I feel like it's also a joke that I don't get. Like, why is it a rope mm-hmm. snake? I, I don't know. Outside of the fact that it just, he's a snake a that acts snake. like a rope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just. <laughs> I feel like there has to be something deeper. And he breaks the fourth wall, too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, well, this is the part of the game where I need to help. This (laughs) this is my end right here. All right, guys. (laughs) One of the things I did sort of want to talk about briefly is just like the the sort of in Duster's sort of chapter, Mm -hmm. I just, I was really kind of frustrated because... That and that was like where I actually had to start grinding a little bit more. Like you actually have to oh, grind some levels. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. sort of like you go through the castle, you get the thing, you come back. It's not the thing. It's not mm-hmm. the MacGuffin. So you have to go back through the castle again. And I just remember just kind of like really that sequence was like, I was like, oh, this is a really dated design and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Like this, yeah. uh, like, um, and I I just remember sort of being a little meh on that um, mm-hmm. in a lot of like I remember like, there uh, being it, a lot of things in that castle too that kind of knocked you back earlier on or, mm-hmm. or different like shortcuts mm-hmm. but it was short pa- shortcuts to the beginning <laughs> so right you, know, you can go to uh, th- th- refill your HP or save yeah that was about it yeah yeah Yeah, i mean by and large that that chapter and even sort of like all of the fallout from it is Mm -hmm. pretty unremarkable um because you you end up it does introduce you to kumatora but i frankly Mm -hmm. wasn't a big fan of her i mean she was okay she was okay she just i felt like she didn't have a big part in the story she she exists yes yeah yeah as far yeah, as like a main reason. character goes, yeah, she's just kind of like she's she's one of your party characters, and she just doesn't have much of a personality, right? She's just kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I think she exists as a fair sort of assessment, but like even going to the castle and you're like, oh, you have to rescue this hummingbird egg or whatever the heck this thing is, and you get it. And then it just sort of like drops out. And then even when you find out what the hummingbird egg is for, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't move the needle in any sort of meaningful way narratively. The whole chapter just... Or literally. Like literally, yeah. <laughs> and moving... And we, we sort of... But the next chapter, you're playing as Salsa, basically as Salsa the monkey. And his story arc is, pre- and I enjoyed that chapter. I thought it was kind of yeah. fun. Um, you, you're introduced to Salsa the monkey, who is trying to sort of get back to his girlfriend, but he's sort of under the 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 cruel and watchful eye of facade. Yes, or facade. No, no, it's definitely facade. I know it's facade, but <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. F A S S A D, but it's facade. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is great when you finally get that pun later on in the game is is like what what that actually means because at this point he's just cruel he's just extremely yeah. cruel eating bananas in front of the monkey and throwing his banana peels everywhere like taking yeah. taking the bananas like sometimes when you get the bananas he takes them from you yeah 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 he's, he's like jerk, he's a jerk. Man. yeah he's like yeah. And, and dude he's just like kind of <laughs> like facade's kind of like the worst uh just throws bananas like leaving messes out for other people he's got that shot collar thing which he yeah. applies uh liberally um Mm-hmm. Sort of has no no problems frying salsa. It's is very much mm-hmm. like a very much like the mustache twirling, <laughs> money money money, yeah, like kind of like yeah. villain. Mm-hmm. Um, which and he actually starts uh, kicks off a lot. Like so, as the village of Tasmili, you know, the, so where you start is like or Tasmili or whatever you want. To, I don't, whatever, however you want to say it, I don't. I don't know. I'm not going to find it. Tazumidi. Yeah, no, I'm whatever. just kidding. I'm kidding. Tazumidi. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, I have man. no idea. Please don't do that. Because um, <laughs> then I'm going to try and say it, and I'm just going to sound even, like an even bigger idiot than I normally do. But so there, there's the, the town is still reeling from the tragedy of the fire and the loss of Hanawa and everything that's sort of gone down there. And then Facade comes in. He gives a guy a sack full of money, and then the guy, the guy, because... Apparently, all the people in this town are stupid. <laughs> Hides the, the sack of his sack of money uh, in a well, and facade steals it out of the well. well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you can understand it because they didn't have they don't have any sense of currency or anything. You yeah. can just borrow whatever you want. You know, it's the Which, communist but, utopia, whatever that means. But, but I'm I not think getting into that. Interesting, even about that bit is like the guy's like, I have the sack of money. I don't know what to do with it, but I have the sack of money. Like literally, I don't know had, what it's for. But, he's like, okay. I have no idea what this is for, but I have this. It's my sack of money. Yeah, and then when I it disappears, it. yeah, when mm-hmm. when it disappears. He like, you know, he gets all outraged about it, but I'm kind of like, dude, you didn't even know what the thing was for, man. Like, like, mm-hmm. how about like, we just like turn that outrage dial down to like, right. I don't know, two or three. Um, but if you want to get biblical about it, I mean, like, you know, he's given the sack of money and he's told that he's supposed to want it. So he's just like, oh, okay, I want this. Yeah. Okay. And that's when like the greed starts entering the picture a little yeah. bit there. And it's like, it's being brought forth based on the fact that he was told. Oh yeah, this is what you want. So it's just like you know, once sin is entering into this, you know, more Edenic paradise, that's pretty much like the way it goes. And then that leads to you know the rest of chapter four and five mm-hmm. and all that when you finally mm-hmm. get to New Fork City. So it, I mean, it's really interesting, like the way they try to at least touch upon these concepts, even mm-hmm. if they're not like really getting into it in any meaningful way. To be perfectly honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell what they're trying to do for sure. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a bit on the nose, just a little bit, but just, just, yeah, a bit, just a touch. Um, mm-hmm. and so at this point in time, like the, the party is, is kind of, uh, you know, the, the game sort of moves in this, this space where you have Duster and, uh, Kumatora and Salsa, and then the game sort of, uh, narratively, they sort of like, it it sort of shifts gears. You get into the next chapter, and at that point in time, you, this is you're you're starting to play as Lucas. Well, and he's actually introduced at the the end of the one chapter where he sort of rescues everybody. 
um, mm-hmm. from the like facades chasing, you know, Duster and Kumatora and uh, Salsa and Lucas shows up and he's got some Dragos and the Dragos are, you know, like they, they are unhappy with how things have sort of gone out. And uh, they let the pig mask army know in no uncertain terms that their presence is not desired. Um, mm-hmm. So it moves into the next chapter and that's when you really sort of Lucas, who is the primary sort of, protagonist of the game this is when you actually just start really moving forward with that narrative and that story and that's the other thing that's kind of interesting because it's like you're 10 15 ish hours into the game before you actually step into the actual narrative thrust of the game um yeah like the, the actual hero and his journey and all of that um which i I thought was interesting to say the least um, yeah. is that I, I, I was kind of disappointed because I actually kind of liked Flint as a character and to know that he was <sighs> never like never part of your party again, just kind of like, I felt like he would have made like a really good, like tank style character. Um, mm-hmm. But then instead you get the dog, <laughs> you get, you get bony hey, and Lucas hey. Um, Boney's great, man. Boney is great. True he's a hero good boy. Of the story. <laughs> but very good boy. I, it's he is. A, he's also a little frustrating because he's he is the fastest, but he also like that that fourth slot in the inventory. One, you don't mm-hmm. get his weapon until almost the very end of the game. He he can only equip one weapon, and it's you you find it in the the very last chapter of the game, and it's sort of like the I'd say the last like hour hour and a half of the game um and then carrying on earth and tradition yes yeah like yeah he's like a very poo-esque <laughs> character mm-hmm. um and not not in a grotesque sort of way like there's a character in earth brown <laughs> called poo and he actually but but even not being able to equip anything in the other slot like you can equip something on his head you can equip a collar or a talisman but you can't actually like that that fourth slot there's not you can't put anything in it at any point in time so put like defensively like he is kind of his stats always sort of like lag in that that capacity because everybody else has three slots to fill up in the armor like the armor slots and he only has one or two rather but and they sort of and the, and this is where sort of like the journey for Flint, like uh, like Lucas is sort of he's looking for his brother, he's looking for his father, he's trying to figure out what's going on, and he's sort of like, um, just you, you know, and this is where the the game really picks off, and then the next, you know, chapters four, five, six, seven, and eight are really you know about sort of one chapter four is about bringing the party together. And so your party eventually becomes, um, Lucas, Kumatora, Duster and Boney. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even some of that journey is like, you have to go to that. There's that sort of the, the big town or you have to go to club TD boo, um, which, mm-hmm. uh, that's a name that <laughs> is, uh, not even slightly mm-hmm. kind of problematic. Um, little like no. qu- questionable, but it's T I T I B O O. 
Um, so, am I mistaken in remembering that something happens before you get there, though? Oh, right? I mean, is, doesn't he get his psi powers before you get there? Yeah. Or is that after? I think so. Wes. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just played it's on it that, and it's on I that can't st- remember. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's on that stretch. I, I believe it's uh, before you get the, the you um, well, have your. I believe that then leads into the, you know, more problematic part of the game that people like to avoid talking about. Yeah. Uh, the meeting with, with the Magypsies. Yes. Yeah. You meet the Magypsies. Okay. So this, and this is like, we've maybe alluded to some of this, but the reason that this game will probably never have an official release and translation in the U.S. is because of the Magypsies. Who are these seven otherworldly beings that, look like drag queens yeah like i mean they're and just like them. and act like and them. act like the them. items are all centered around that um the way that they talk is that way mm-hmm. as well it's it's not yeah. just the outward yeah. appearance it's like the whole thing they're no magical they, drag they, queens. magical drag queens but they're actually they're and like i'm i i'd be interested to hear sort of your take on the magypsies west because like while I find it to just be kind of distasteful or weird, I was not out and out offended by them. I was like, they're right. one, it, it's it, Etoy is, is kind of weird, anyways. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he's, he's going to put something like that's like, that's very much like rubber stamp, like Shigesato Etoy, like, pfft. Hey, let's make it weird. Um, we're gonna a bunch of magical fairy drag queens, and um, mm. you know, but they're they're sort of like these immortal creatures, and so they're not human. Right. They like mm-hmm. they've been around for countless millennia, and they have sort of these these incredible powers. Now, I'll tell you what, too, and now that I because I look back through my book. That scene was super weird to unlock Lucas's powers. Um, mm-hmm. cause you get in a hot spring, and hot springs are where you typically sort of you refresh. It's like sort of like you'll find hot springs all throughout these these maps. And that's where you go to refresh your your hit points and your psychic points, which in like stands in for like, you know, magic points or whatever. Um, but you come to a hot spring and one of these magypsies in is in the hot spring and that scene i i remember why i didn't remember it because i didn't want to remember it because it's it's kind of frankly it sort of alludes to something inappropriate or it's it's sort of like one of those innuendo sort of things where right like probably fairly innocent but it's also kind of Mm-hmm. feels a little I, I don't know like as i was like it was yeah. it felt, felt perverse yeah yeah the joke right. like this mm-hmm. it, it's joked as if the magypsy is sexually abusing lucas that's yeah. the joke yeah that's the joke i don't want to go into any details yeah but that's that, a, that's, that's a, i think a really good way of of describing that scenario it, and it, yeah. it was frankly disturbing and i didn't mm-hmm. like it I was like, I kind of moved on yeah. from that part and just being like, oh, yeah. Because it's I, like, you you know what's happening and it's like, okay, okay. And then it goes on and it goes on and it's like, whoa, whoa. Like, how far are you going to push this? 
come mm-hmm. on. And that unlocks, yeah, that unlocks his psi powers. That unlocks so your psi powers. Like so. the Majipsies. Which yeah. is like I don't I don't like the implications of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that or at least even like the, the the sort of like, well, they unlocked his potential or whatever, right. but right. I don't I like just, the implication of that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the the process of unlocking his power or whatever mm-hmm. is like, yeah, that's that's a little like that was slimy and felt mm-hmm. kind of gross. I, it, Wes, you were sort of mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, generally speaking, the, the characters I feel like are in poor taste regardless. I don't know how much you guys understand the, I, I mean, pretty much anybody that's been in like, you know, a weeb for any length of time is probably familiar with the Okama stereotype in Japan, which has to do okay. with like, you know, the more drag queen oriented mm-hmm. stereotype, but usually done with like, you know, you still got the beards and facial hair and stubble and all that and everything exactly how they're seen. There's, this. A, there's an yeah. anime called no mm-hmm. guns life that has one of those um, mm-hmm. very prominent yeah yeah and they're very prevalent in a lot of different anime like even okay. one piece has like a certain section of it which talks about it and it's actually kind of funny because one of the during like this big time skip uh sanji the main like womanizer type character who's just like head over heels in love with you know all women is actually trapped on an island with, with these characters around him. He's just like, Oh no, this is hell basically. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's really interesting uh, reading that comic actually. And within the same life, but yeah, this is a stereotype. That's just pretty much what it is. Okay. And there's really no way of getting around it. This, I think they're just generally meant to be like playing that up. And that's just kind of how it is. And they are presented as this, like kind of like otherworldly creatures where it's just like, well, you know, this doesn't like gender doesn't matter. Like whatever's happening is happening. It's like, we we're taking these forms just because we like these forms and everything. And so it's like, it's not necessarily malicious, but you also have to understand this game came out in like 2006. Mm. So it's like considering the con and it was developed in like the early 2000s. So considering no. the context of the game, it just seems like a product of its time or like, yeah, yeah, I was like, it's as so far bad. as like the sort of like the 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 social weight of some of that, it's like, dude, it, for all intents and purposes, 2006 was almost a completely different era. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. is 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 2006 like pre Obergefell? Um, oh yeah, yes, yeah. I can't remember what year Obergefell went through, but yeah, I mean, I, and you've watched sort of like. But yeah, and not to go down that road, but like even now, it's it's it that's kind of interesting in and of itself. And again, it's not anything we need to spend any time. But like the fact that yeah, in two thousand six, that probably would have passed. Have been like, oh, this is weird and kind of creepy. But just moving right along, mm-hmm. whereas now yeah, it's, it's like I was like, no, this is like you know, kind of offensive. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it was a stereotype that was very specific to that culture mm-hmm. at the time. Okay. Like yeah. it, I mean, obviously there are things that, you know, go between cultures and such that are similar, but this is very specifically, Oh no, this is the Japanese Okama stereotype. Yeah. Okay. So as someone who is unfamiliar with that stereotype, I'm sure I've seen it before in, in some anime or something somewhere. Um, I mean, I know. Well, no, it might be a completely different stereotype, but the, the you know, like the shoot 'em ups that that use like the really buff dudes and whatever. 
I don't, I don't know if that's the same thing. It's probably not because it's not like in drag. Um, but it doesn't matter. Are you talking about the uh, the shmups that have the the muscle dudes and speedos? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I Cho Aniki, I believe it's what okay. it's called. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That mm-hmm. sounds right. Um, so mm-hmm. so as someone who is unfamiliar with the stereotype, I may have been reading this wrong. Okay. Um, however, I was I was off put by the Majipsies at first, but I was like, okay, you know, let's just let's just keep going, whatever. And it only seemed to get worse the farther into the game that I got to the point where like even at the end of the game, I'm just like, I'm so sick of these these characters. Um, and I think, again, stepping out, and, and feel free to push back on this, but taking a look at the series and its critique on fatherhood um, to then portray positive male role models as these characters these characters are the ones that give lucas that unlock his potential and and allow him to use his magical Mm. powers in order to save the world these are the ones who are guiding him into saving all of the world these are the self-sacrificial characters um that are willing to perish so that the rest of humanity can you know will come to its final end you know like culmination it is very much portrayed as self-sacrificial these are um they almost can do no wrong except for facade, you know. Um, but that's, that's well, a whole that, other thing. dude. That's like, yeah, okay. So, yeah, f- even facades reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's the one. He's the one that that goes against that, you know, because he's caught up in this materialism, uh, this greed as well. So I totally get that. But I'm saying that the only positive, and again. I understand that Flint does show some positive traits, but he is a very flawed character. I think the rest of the Majipsies don't show any flaws outside of that scene, if you if you consider that a flaw. Um, but it's but that even that scene is viewed positively for your main character because now he can use psi powers, and you wouldn't be able to finish the game without the psi powers are literally what allows you to beat the very last character in the game. So to present these characters as very positive made it all the worse for me because I'm like th- like you're bashing fatherhood while upholding these characters as your ideal like sorry not cool with that. I I really don't know like I mean and and again I I'd be interesting to hear sort of your your I don't know that a toy holds them or e-toy holds them up as ideal um, okay. they represent a very specific sort of like almost force force of nature mm-hmm. creature who they're not, they're not male or female. And so even though they present as sort of semi-masculine, um, physically, I'm not, I don't, I don't know that he idealizes them in the sense that he, I don't know that he's necessarily offering them up as like better role models for Lucas or anything like that. But it, I mean, I can see where you would, you would draw that conclusion. I, I don't, I don't know that that's intentional on his part to, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that he was looking at it in that, that, that capacity. I could be wrong there though, too. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think. And- I'm I'm willing to be corrected as well. It's just as I was playing the game, they just became worse and more. They were more and more annoying to me. Um, as well, they're they're not good characters. I mean, that's that's part of the problem is that they're just in general they're kind of like 
they're they're gag characters that are taken seriously mm -hmm. kind of which mm -hmm. i yeah. just don't yeah like for me that 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 whole thing is a little jarring that whole thing just feels a little like there's some dissonance there in mm. general because like and that's i mean part of like i even said like some of this game like some of this game wants you to take it very very seriously and then it's like oh and immortal drag queens and it's like oh 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 okay um you know yeah yeah when when i first finished the game one of the first things i said to wes was i feel like this is a game of dichotomies because of how mm -hmm. polar opposite it feels at time. And I think it it does that in 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 a way that while it's jarring, it still works like really well. You know, we were talking about yeah. the first yeah, the yeah. first chapter, death, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then juxtapose that against like, you know, jokes about dung beetles. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like and it works. And I enjoyed those jokes as well. You know, like so so yeah, I, I, well, I think yeah. it's pretty cool that it can that it can actually do both of those those polar opposites at the same time. Yeah. No, Wes, what what do you kind of? Yeah, I, I I think it's just something that he probably thought. Okay, this would be interesting. This would be a little bit you know of a juxtaposition against like what you might normally see. I don't really mm -hmm. think he thought too much into it, other than like, oh, okay, this is an interesting aesthetic, and I'm kind of a weird guy myself. So you know, I'm an artist, so obviously. I'm going to be embracing, you know, things in the art world. It, and things yeah, that it are feels like edgelordy. Sort of yeah. Mm -hmm. Feels a little like edgelordy. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, I, whether that's intentional or not, I have no idea. Could you read into that? And I, I mean, that's, I hadn't even really thought about that until you mentioned it. So I don't really have anything to say necessarily against it. It's, I, I don't know. I haven't really like seen anything in any of his work that would indicate that he's like kind of, I don't know if that's how he would like paint all, you know, like gender differences in that way. Mm. I feel like I've read a yeah. decent amount of them, but it's not really something that's like brought to the forefront. So, mm. I mean, interesting analysis and I don't really have any much to say about I mean, that. So I, and I feel kind of useless trying to respond to it. Oh so. no, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Just, sure there, I don't, there's some that I'm missing as well. And I actually don't don't mean to say that he's saying like this is all there is to masculinity. I, I don't mean that. Mm -hmm. I I agree. It feels more like he's and especially in, in 2006 when it's not as touted as it is today in 2022. Um I, I think he was kind of like trying to uplift this subculture in a certain way. At least that's again, that's the, that's what it came yeah. off to me as is like, look, mm -hmm. these guys are usually made fun of. How about we make them, you know, a positive role model kind of a thing? It's just that without the, the and I, I don't think he's saying this is the only way that masculinity is made. You know, this is the true form of masculinity. Mm -hmm. I don't think that. I just think there's there's a huge flaw when you don't have any positive male role models except for them. Like, like there's no, and, and even yeah. again, it, maybe it was my reading too. I, I could be wrong on this too, is I think the, the dichotomy between Klaus and Lucas in that Klaus is, um, he's the, he's the more of the tough guy and how he's taken down, um, instead kind of uplifting Lucas as like, Hey, this is not about beating down your opponent. This is about. Uh, you know, empathy or or whatever you know. 
you know, Luke, well, Lucas. Lucas is the sensitive one. He's right. the crybaby, and so right. Right. him as the protagonist. I can definitely see where you could draw those comparisons and those contrasts. Like, I I can see it, and and I don't think it's mm-hmm. like an absolute. I don't think it's an absurd read at all. I I no, no. I don't. Like and I think what what you're sort of pointing out is the fact that in the yeah and I think you even said this in the absence of strong male leads and then you sort of prop up these the the majipsies as sort of like and they're not even being propped up but they are sort of like the closest thing to a decent male role model presence <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's kind of like oh and and even sort of given that first that like the hot spring scene. Yeah, just just kind of like, uh, this is a little like dark and grody, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I can I can see that the the Majipsies are just like, like I said, they're just they're kind of a problem. Period. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they're just yeah. Yeah. And and let me also mm-hmm. say for anyone listening, like this is my biggest problem with the game. I I I genuinely enjoyed just about everything else. In the game, it's the, it, I mean, there are some themes, especially as we get to the very end that mm-hmm. I was confused by and that I'm still like processing through. So I'm not saying I'm on board a hundred percent with it, but this was like the issue. This is why it doesn't make, this is why I can't say, oh, this is definitely the top half of the, the of yeah, my personal yeah. top 100, but this game is still in my top. Like, I, I don't want to make it sound like this completely, you know, makes the game garbage. Not at all. This is just the biggest thing that I, that I was stuck on in the game. So. Well, Anyways, we don't have to, to belabor the point. No, I I think to sort of just like and I the the next so chapters four, five, six, seven, and eight, right? They're sort of all just like segments of sort of like the same journey towards mm-hmm. what eventually out of this becomes sort of apparent is that you're sort of searching for Klaus. And I don't think it's any spoiler, but like, and we already sort of talked about, but Klaus has basically been, he he's, it turns out like, and it's not confirmed until the very end, but it's like, it's, it's like, if you're got half a brain in your head, you're like, oh no, like Klaus has been working for the pig mask army and he's been, um, unsealing there are these seven needles and the Majipsies are actually guarding these seven needles and because these seven needles are keeping this giant dragon at bay who has the power to basically this dragon has the power to reshape creation and depending mm-hmm. on who unleashes that whether it's a dark heart or a light heart um, they'll be you know, like sort of like this, that will influence sort of what happens with the release of the dragon. And so as you sort of progress through the, through the rest of the game, uh, you're, you're going through and you're sort of almost in a, a race with your brother, like Lucas and Klaus are sort of in this race to sort of un, uh, like to, to remove these, they call them needles um, to sort of un, unleash the, 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 the dragon. It, like chapters four, five, six, seven, and eight, right? Are there mm-hmm. any like really strong sequences in there? I I, I did want to bring up the ocean sequence because I thought that was really interesting. How you have to sort of like the 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 oxygen timer thing, 
Um, oh, that was one. That was frustrating. I was like, that brings me back Sonic memories, man. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> the, the, them borrowing that mechanic was incredibly frustrating, but then the way that you refilled it was kissing oh the, the ro- robot merman, ro- the, the merman robots. And I'm just like, there's some, like, Etoy definitely has some sort of weird hangups. And I don't know if it's just that, like, he, he likes to be a bit of a provocateur or whatever, but there is there is some weirdness going on with some of that stuff. Because um, the like, robot like mermaids said, were, were, it had the head of the Majipsy, you know? Well, kind of, but they just had, like, but then when they would do that kiss thing, like yeah. their their the mouths lips. would just get, like, it was like, yeah. yeah, it it was weird. Yeah. Uh, but, Wes, um, uh, the, these next like like again chapters four four through eight are there yeah. any sort of like narrative beats that you really want to like pause on for a minute here i mean there's there are two that are like kind of bouncing around in my head and i don't know if we'll have necessarily enough time to cover both of them but i feel like the introduction of what they call the uh, they were called like happy boxes correct yeah into mm-hmm. tasmali village and that functionally being like this metaphor for like you know entertainment and such and mm-hmm. how they're just like wow this happy box we all watch our happy boxes and that's what you should be doing all day and da 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 but mm-hmm. then the second one is the you know complete drug trip scene which yes. is also the second reason why <laughs> this game is never going to be localized mm-hmm. where yeah. lucas goes through like this drug induced stupor and is meeting people from his past and interacting with them and basically yeah hallucinations <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I mean, what I found interesting about that aspect and uh, the into the ether guys brought this up when they did their like, you know, three and a half hour <laughs> episode about it that I never noticed before. But every hallucination that he has is telling the truth in some way, shape or form. Mm. And when he finally comes to seeing the hallucination of Flint, his dad and everything, and how incredibly abusive the dad comes across, you know, going along the line with like terrible father figures and everything is just like, okay, so this must actually have been something that happened as a result of Hinawa dying. And what kind of father did Flint become after that to mm-hmm. Lucas? It's like functionally absentee, but did he become like a drunken, abusive dad? Like, mm-hmm. why is Lucas not with him? That's kind of strange. And that sequence in particular brings up this subtext that's like, super uncomfortable and super like dark and grim mm, honestly whoa. yeah so just thinking about that as it's like oh interesting okay because he doesn't really flint doesn't really have a role until like the very end of the game but what mm. happened in that interim those that three-year time span where mm. he was you know functionally having to be raised by the entire village instead of his dad i don't know what were his action interactions with his father after that Interesting. No, and that it brings that is points. yeah, that's actually really fascinating because yeah, it does that time skip, and then it's you, you like does that little time skip between chapters three and four, and yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, it there's sort of the implication that Flint just basically goes out all day and just looks for Klaus. That yeah, that island, the island scene with the drug trip. Um, you know, for the listeners, there's a. a the scene where you get on this island you have i and i do think it's kind of funny because it's like you have no health and and no psychic power like you've got like one health one psychic power and it's like 
you need to find something to eat. And so there's this pile of like purple mushrooms and the game even says like, you sure you want to eat these? Uh, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure that these are exactly what you would call food, but then you, if you like, you wander around a little bit, there is an enemy sort of right on the other side of that. So it's like, mm-hmm. if you, if you don't sort of imbibe, you're going to like, and, and and all your items have been removed as well, except for whatever you you had equipped on the character. So there's no way to like heal. There's no way to sort of like, um, you, you basically the game sort of very blatantly is like you're going to eat these and forces you to sort of like take like a basically an acid fueled or a, a mushroom fueled, you know, hallucinatory trip, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and do yeah. like opening. And, and even there, there's sort of that weird, like, separation. Uh, okay, so there's, like, funny, and it's also, like, kind of jarring because this is also very heavy material. So you're you're sort of, like, dealing with all these hallucinations of, like, all the different, like, characters. And, and some of them are saying some really awful stuff. Like, you're, you can open these mailboxes, and some of them is, like, there's one... Uh, you you open it up and you start reading the letters or something, and they all say it's all your fault, it's all your fault, it's all your fault, or something. It's something along those lines. And like, as you're sort of going through all of this, then you get to a hot spring. But then when you're you, if you go back through that that same spot after you've sort of come out of the the drug fueled haze, that spot is in a hot spring. It's a sewage pit. Yeah. Um, oh, because and, Boney won't go with you into the, the yes, hot spring. Boney won't go into go the in. hot spring. Yeah. yeah. And when the, you come across the character who sort of brings you out of your, your, your drug addled stupor, they're like, you smell bad. What were you like? Almost like you stink. Mm-hmm. Oh, you stinky humans. Like, and at first it's like, like what? And then it's like, oh no, like you smell bad. Well, it's because you were rolling around in sewage. Um, mm-hmm. and so even there, it's that, that weird jarring, like, here's like, you know, a really potentially dramatically charged scene. And it's like, and then pee pee poo poo. And it's like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just like, and it's that like right there where I'm saying, it's like this game sometimes like wants to be taken way more seriously than you can actually take it. But then at the same time, it's like, no, no, we don't like, and it's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's bizarre. And even the happy boxes sort of being like, you know, the I think we can touch on that for a minute. Like the fact that it does seem sort of like it toys, like basically sort of making this commentary that, that t- television, um, you know, which is kind of standing for like mass media, mass entertainment mm-hmm. is sort of like the opiate of the masses, which I don't think is like that big a take because I, I think he's kind of right. Um, in mm-hmm. some ways in that, that analysis. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Itoy would be a fan of Xbox Game Pass either. So, you know, he wouldn't like Game Pass. He probably hates Game Pass just as much yeah. as I do. Um, I think it's a morally, Artist, am I right? He, a morally bankrupt service. Um, but uh, that it has on society. Yeah. Taking us all down. The 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 deleterious uh, the effect that it's having on uh, on people. Um so sort of I guess sort of moving towards the end of this the and the game ends. And I think like too, like Earthbound has like a really weird ending. Um, you know, with the prayer yeah. thing. 
um, and all like, and Having it's a to really be embodied in robots in order to fight this galactic evil alien. And yeah, it's weird. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's going back in and, time. And that's what I think. Like these games, these games are no. And again, I sort of I reference the absurdist streak, but like the ending of this. So, and this, and this more so than Earthbound is like yeah, almost a reimagining or a remake of original mother right Mm -hmm. and because a lot of the the story beats tend to be pretty and it's fleshed out and it's more expansive but they they tend to be for from what i understand pretty sort of like beat by beat and story similar it does take place afterwards so there is a timeline in which earthbound has to happen next because gygus is actually he's grown since the first time but yeah the by and large story beats are the same yeah but Mother 3 actually has ties to Earthbound mm-hmm. in a way that uh, Mother 0 or Earthbound Beginnings and Earthbound, they feel like the, the connection feels a lot more solid between Earthbound and Mother 3 than Earthbound Beginnings and Earthbound. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason is that the primary antagonist, and it's sort of like, in this game, he's called Porky. In Earthbound, he's called Pokey. But at the end of Earthbound, Pokey gets in this machine and he has aligned himself with Gygus, who is sort of this ultimate evil. And he gets in this machine and you defeat him and then he takes off, right? And it just sort of says that, he, you know, it doesn't really, he's not dead. You don't know what happens, but he he disappears. He takes off. And you find out that he's he's basically coming to this rally. And there is just almost basically when you're talking to leader, the big tall dude from yeah. like you go down into the sewers in New Pork City and you're talking to him and the exposition dump on that. It's like 15 to 20 minutes of yeah. just reading through this text. And he's like, did you understand? Like, and he gives it to you in like five minute bursts. And he's like, did you understand all of that? And I was like, even if I did it, I'm not saying no, dude, because I don't want to hear this again. I don't want to read this again. Um, yes. But basically, and, and sort of this is where I think the game just goes, and, and I kind of loved it because it's just so ridiculous and it just goes completely off the rails. The entire premise of this game, right, is so that everybody who lives on this island, on Nowhere Island, basically escaped sort of like the end of all humanity because people had destroyed the world okay and i'm and i'm sort of i'm i'm not like leader tells lucas he's like no he's like pretty much like humanity had destroyed the world and so we escaped on this white ship and we came to this island that was being protected by the power of uh this dragon that was asleep in it and we this this hummingbird egg that um, you had that that uh, Duster had liberated um from the castle. Basically, that had absolutely no like. I mean, you you hunted it down again, and it's been in your possession since like the fourth chapter, but or the fifth chapter maybe. But it it's kind of like one of those things that had like almost no bearing. It was never mentioned again for like the next eight hours of this game. Turns out 
Um, so all these people who escaped from the destruction of the world populated this island, and they basically gave up all of their memories and put them in this egg. Um, and they basically created a false history and a false narrative for themselves living on this island. And he was like, he was like, that's why nobody on this island can tell you what happened a hundred years years ago, let alone a thousand years ago. He's like, because you haven't been in this island that long. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that everybody's been basically brainwashed or they've given up their memories. And at that point in time, I just laughed. I laughed out loud. I was like, this is so stupid and I love it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's just like the most absurd setup. It's like, it's like, uh, what is it? What was it called? Deus Deus Ex Machina or um, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, Uh, is that that the term that when it's just like the author just like says, oh, hey, magic gun appears that lets you save the day kind of thing. Um, That would be, well, that's like the intervention of God, basically. Yeah, the the God in the machine kind of thing. Yeah. I I, I don't know how to explain it because it's just absurd. It's just absurd. But anyways, so what happens is Porky uh, or Pokey has gone wandering through space and time in his like, mm-hmm. like so from Earthbound, he actually found this little like pocket of reality that you guys have been living in. And he came back and he was like, I'm going to destroy this because he's a hateful, nasty, spiteful little piece of work. Um, and mm-hmm. he's, so he's, he's basically like, so you get this, this whole like unpacking of like, this is all basically just like almost like just a manufactured reality. Um, you that these people sort of created this Edenic paradise because they were like, we can start over again, and if we just we tell ourselves this story, and we, and it's just again, you know, and I've I've said that when that you get that exposition dump, I was like, this is the most absurd thing. Like this game just like <laughs> w- like completely off the rails at that point. But then, this game went full anime. Yeah, this <laughs> yes. This is yeah. like this is the most anime game any of us have ever played right there. Um it's like it's it's almost as hokey as like and it was all a dream um from Super <laughs> Mario Brothers 2. Well, okay, um, so I've I've got two thoughts on this. One is that um it's it's Again, it's this game of dichotomies because I feel like there are so many points throughout the story um, that it feels like it has this deep lore, right? That it's like made all these things, all these connecting bits. But then it kind of hand waves away a lot of of the details that don't really seem to make sense. You know, when when you really kind of think about it, it's like, no, no, no. And this just, is the way that they justify like, it, though. They're like, right. you're, you're living in a manufactured reality, you know. On the back of a dragon. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Just, all, all this stuff, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I don't mean to say that that's like necessarily. Uh, you just suspend your disbelief. Is all I'm saying. You know, it's, it's not. It's not like a glaring <laughs> yes. error or anything. It's just like this is so crazy that it, tr- it it does both of these things at the same time. You know that it, it's and, like trying to explain it all while also just being like, but but don't think about it too much. <laughs> so, and then um, there's the 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 fi- the actual final battle with Porky. Hmm. And it's like if there are certain strategies you can employ, like especially like I'd say the last third of the game um, when you get, excuse me, uh, defense up 
Like with mm-hmm. Lucas, you can do a a party wide buff for offense and defense, and so you just layer that two or three times each one of those, um, and then you just let him heal. And then uh, I've said her name Kumatora. like yeah, Kumatora mm-hmm. can actually debuff the enemy, so she can drop their their defense and their offense. And so you get to the point where most bosses will hit you for like one damage, you know? Um, oh. oh, dude. Like Porky was an absolute joke. Like the first like right. four rounds are are tough because like you're you're sort of putting that on. The, and so the, like the order for me was uh, Lucas would pretty much exclusively just bump. Like I get like three cat, two or three casts of defense up for the party, and then between Duster and Kumatora, I'd be ripping down. I I I would double them up on offense or the uh, the enemy's offense, and I so and I'd have them both go after his offense, and then when that stopped being effective, then I go after his defense, and then I start having Lucas after two three rounds of pumping up the defense, I have him start pumping up everybody's offense, wow. so that Duster and Boney can turn around and just smack the boss for like a couple hundred a pop, and then yeah. Kumatora. And uh, Lucas, after that, if you need Psy, can drop Psy on him. But mm-hmm. it's 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 actually super easy once you see it. Um, barely an inconvenience. Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> and it's like uh, I like that thing. Uh, um, but I, Porky's fight was kind of like, and all the fights, like I said, once you if once you find that pattern, like almost all of the boss fights kind of turn into that, where it's just like, oh, that's fine. The real sort of ending, though, is you go through this cave, right? And you fight Porky. And then after that, you confront the the mysterious, this masked man who has sort of been like, who, for all intents and purposes, you're fairly certain is Klaus, but it's never confirmed. And he's sort of been the foil and he's been sort of like, you fought him, you, you've, you fought with him a few times throughout the game. And the, the fight actually becomes at first, it's a fight of attrition where you just have to sort of like, he's going to do a bunch of damage and you just have to sort of stay ahead of the damage curve. And full disclosure, I was at like level 60, 61 when I got to that last fight. And so I had, I, I could just do the heal and then I would just guard. And you sort of like, you do this long enough and there's this sort of like this dialogue sequence that happens. And, it, and it, then eventually Flint, who has sort of like reemerged at this point in time and actually went ahead of Lucas um, in order to try and like get, get a hold of Klaus, sort of... He had been incapacitated and then he jumps in the way of sort of, and Klaus unleashes these like a couple of devastating attacks on Flint and Flint stops them from hitting Lucas. At that point in time, Lucas is like opened up and he's allowed to be a little more offensive. And so you can take like a turn or two and maybe wail on Klaus a little bit. And the whole time Hanawa's ghost is like talking to you. And saying like, Lucas, this is your brother. Stop fighting. You guys need to stop. And so it's just, you have to sort of like gauge this and you have to basically sort of like, it's not, and again, it's not super difficult because primarily you can just like, you use your second most powerful healing spell spell, and then you just guard for a few turns. And then when you're, you're 
your ticker drops down below a certain point, you just heal again and you guard and just, cause when you guard, it actually slows that, that rolling life counter down. But there's this whole sort of like expositional sequence that happens with, um, Hanawa's and she's like, she, they, they're trying to reach Klaus and you go through all of the, these different sort of sequences and eventually Klaus takes off the helmet and he calls down lightning on himself. He basically commits suicide. Um, and it, it's implied when Porky was describing sort of the process of pulling the needles and how he was using this, the, the mysterious masked man to do it. At one, there was a line, he's like, my lifeless son will pull the last needle and I'll use the dragon's dark power to destroy everything. And you basically you go through this sequence. Klaus commits suicide because, and, and, and frankly, I don't think there was very much of him left. Yeah. And that's just my, that's like Nate's head cannon. I think that he was like, base had basically been rebuilt and had just sort of like his, his conscious mind in so many ways had been suppressed. And then maybe he really was just more, more of a husk than anything. And this fight, um, and there's even a part where they sort of like show this scene where, and it's, it's just like this sort of like this still shot. And there's a conversation between Flint and Hanawa that you're kind of like listening to them talk about what they want for their boys. Cause the boys are twins. Um, and just how they wanted them to grow up and be kind, to be good men, to be kind. Um, and so, and even in, in, in that too, it sort of makes me think that, that sort of feeds back into the stuff with Flint is that this was a good man who the death of his wife and son and the disappearance of his other son unhinged him, like just completely shattered his connection with everything. And he became obsessive to the point of kind of sacrificing his other son to, to, to the needs of this, this other thing. But you get to this and, and like I said, eventually Klaus commits suicide and it's sort of the way it ends is Lucas goes and he pulls the last needle. And as you go through all of this, it sort of shows everything just sort of an upheaval. There's, there's twisters and like, you know, uh, downspouts and like there's like these tornadoes going between the ocean and clouds and there's fire and there's earthquakes and you see everything sort of falling apart and the interesting note is the the actual fight with porky porky can't die um and he brags about it and so he he actually tricked some people into making him the absolutely safe bubble and mm -hmm. he locks himself in this steel bubble that he can never escape and so he's going to be by himself, which which is really what he wanted. He wanted to destroy everybody who wasn't like him, which is pretty much everybody. So now he's in this environment where he can't hurt anybody. And he's with the only person that he ever could tolerate, um, which is himself forever because he can't die. Um, so there, there's all that. It's just... Yeah. Mm -hmm. That ending is so weird. <laughs> it's just so, like, even mechanically, I, I mean, like mechanically, the fight with Klaus felt very earthbound. Like it reminded me of the prayer sequence with Gygus or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is, I actually really appreciated that. But the whole game is just 
freaking weird. It's just <laughs> flipping bonkers. And yeah. and I'm not saying that that's that's not a bad thing. I loved it. I had a hoot like uh, when I was when it was done. I was like, I had a really good time. And then there's the whole nonsense with the the ending sequence, which is just ridiculous. Um, just if if you guys are li- still listening to this, I'm going to assume you've made it to the end. Question mark. Um, there's more. There's so much more. Um, but yeah. So. Like that's sort of like the the narrative broad strokes there, guys. Uh, and, and you know, it's like I I guess I kind of want to like I want to hear what you guys have to say as I sort of like laid out. Is there anything in in all of that that those last like five acts, four acts, or whatever that just really I don't know. Like I I enjoy the whole package. It's just it's just so weird. It's just it's a fever dream. I'm pretty sure that. Itoy is like not legally sane. Um, <laughs> Wes, why why don't you kind of like tee us off here a little bit, and then I yeah, what, what like what do you ha- like all of that, all of that expositional my my twenty minutes of expositional dump there, my my leader yes. moment, right? <laughs> Where you guys are just jamming on the A button, saying "Shut up, Nate! Shut up, Nate! Shut up, Nate!" <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> Do you understand? If you say no, I'll just repeat it all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I said that this game goes full anime, that that's pretty much what I meant. Like, it, it's like it's got shades of like all these weird like shows that I, I mean you know i i could bring up evangelion i could bring mm-hmm. up you know even a recent game that both josh and i have played called xenoblade chronicles and just how bizarre and wacky those endings are and just mm-hmm. where they go and the kind of philosophy that they espouse like mm-hmm. it's just like okay that's pretty much all you can say it's just like yeah that that definitely happened like i don't really have anything profound to say about it other than like okay Okay, that that's pretty much it. I don't necessarily care for like what he's trying to communicate through that because you know I, I've been obviously I've been keeping up with this guy for years and years and years, buying his journals and like reading all his interviews and everything. So he's definitely espousing a more like Eastern worldview and philosophy than. So even what is he trying with. to say yeah. with that ending, though? Then it just seems like well, I mean, a lot of this modern Buddhist thought coming from. Asian countries and Japan in particular is just that, you know, yeah, sure. We definitely believe that everything is kind of pointless in a sense, like everything will just eventually go to nothing and that you eventually have to have destruction to lead to new creation and all that. But, you know, it's basically it's it, but the friends we made along the way, that's, what's really important, even though it's not actually important. It's the stuff that we're doing. That's actually, you know, helpful to society and doing our best and enjoying the little things in life. Because ultimately everything is meaningless and that's just kind of where that ending goes. It just ends with a black screen and it's just like the end and that's pretty much it. And you're having this nothing conversation with, I guess it's Lucas. Like I, I can't remember exactly like how the conversation actually goes because it's been a, like a, like a while before I, since I've like really delved into that. I kind of just skipped the ending this time so I could be done with it. <laughs> but yeah, I it just feels like it's like, yeah, everything is utterly meaningless. Like, there's really nothing to aspire to. But, you know, we could be the best people that we can now. And it's kind of that new age philosophy that's just like, I, I really love the game, but I really hate his philosophy. And I, I really hate the ending in that sense. Like, it's a terrible ending. 
but I'm still satisfied with it because it's like, okay, this just shows like the bankrupt nature of this entire worldview. And hmm. maybe it's just me feeling a little like prideful and being like, well, I've got the answer. Blah, 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 blah. And obviously this is trash, but I don't know. It, it's just interesting seeing the dichotomy between the different worldviews in mm-hmm. that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it was this odd, like one, two punch of those two things that you were talking about, Nate, of, of Klaus and his suicide. And then this very strange, like, oh, everything still ends. Oh, but, but everyone is saying they're okay in this literal black screen. You're wandering around, bumping into people, but it's a black screen. But they're like, oh, you can't see us, but we're okay. We're good. You did, you did good. Way to go. Uh, so yeah, kind of like this, this nothingness, both of those two back to back, it was certainly jarring because I didn't quite, I didn't get it. It took me a while to, to kind of think about it. And I'm still, I'm still not even sure that I get it. Um, what strikes me with Klaus is that before he does that, he does, he has this heart to heart moment with Lucas. Mm. He's like, I'm so thankful that you're here to be with me for the very end. I'm going to go be with mom now. I'm I'm going to go see mom. We're good. And then he calls down the lightning. So I didn't pick up on like you were talking about how you imagined him almost being gone. I mean maybe if like half his face was a cyborg, I I would have felt well, that, but I didn't understand. I think, I think the the sort of like the the process of that last sort of like fight, right? Is that with Hanawa's like appeals to him trying to call out to him, she's calling him to remember is that whatever was left of him was buried deep. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, they're, they're fighting to sort of draw that back out. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I get that. But to me, what, what I felt in that moment was that he didn't have to resort to suicide. Like that's suicide oh, no, is the, the last option. Yeah. And, and so when he did that, I'm just like, Oh, Oh shoot. Like this character just gave up. Like, like no, he just and, threw in the towel. Like, wow. Like, it was, it was another, I mean, maybe not as impactful as the beginning of the game, but certainly getting close. And, and again, in a, in a context where I haven't seen this in a video game before, to this yeah. degree of just like despair, not even despair, because it was despair that was trying to get you to, to view it in a positive light. Because he's like, I get to go be with mom. Like, thank you for being here, Lucas. I appreciate you, brother. I'm going to go, I'm going to finally go see mom again. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to sort of justify his suicide or anything Uh like that because yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with you like that. It was like, it was pretty jarring. And I was like, holy crap. Like, because I think too, we're so used to sort of like redemption as sort of being like a key theme. And for them, it's like, nah, nah, just, I'm going (laughs) to die now. It's cool. Right. Um, yeah, that was pretty, that, that was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, it was rough. And it's like, mm. yeah, you don't expect this out of the end of a video game. Yeah, I, I agree that like y- you expect redemption and that's not what he was seeking in, in that moment. So I'm just like, oh, shoot, like this whole game is like the destruction of this family. <laughs> like yeah. Nawa dies in the beginning and Lucas dies, or excuse me, that Klaus dies at the end. Like, oh my gosh. I'm like, surprised. Heavy. Here's a hot take for you, and uh, my hot take on hot takes is that hot takes are kind of useless most of the time. But um, that's pretty hot. Yeah, it's a pretty hot take. I know it's a, it's a, it's kind of spicy. Um, 
You, you know, it's funny because we've we've talked a, a few times over the last couple of weeks about near automata, and Wes, you showed off that that uh, that copy for the switch you just got. But like, dude, when you want to talk about a game that's all about like screaming defiantly into the void, Mother Three is very much like proto near automata because the entire near automata the entirety of that game is just about the destruction of 2b and uh is it 9s mm. nines yep, nines yeah mm-hmm. yep 2b and nines it's it's all basically about the 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 journey into destruction and this family it's like it's sort of like yeah hanawa at the beginning and then klaus at the very end and and sort of even talking about the destruction that flint you know like the the relationship with Flint and Lucas and all of that, and it's like, yeah, it's grim. Mm-hmm. It's and it's. I'm pretty sure that as soon as Josh like texted me about the ending, and I'm like, hey, you know about Near Automata? Remember that? Mm. It's pretty much the same philosophy here. Same yeah. thing. I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same idea. And I think <laughs> so. what's yeah. so, and, and it comes back to that, just like the 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 dichotomy that we we keep talking about, or the just the disjointed nature of this game, because it's so full of charm and heart and sort of warmth, and then it's like, but it's also like nothing means anything. Go screaming into the void, mm. like, and I'm like, hmm, and it just feels there's something about that it's unfulfilling. Like it, it doesn't. It's just very unfulfilling. I'm like, that's pretty much what it is. They leave you in a lurch yes. and they leave you in a state of disequilibrium. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. And it, that's where they want you to be. It leaves like, you unbalanced. Yeah. And that's, yeah, exactly. I think where, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, cause it's off that, that Klaus suicide where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, like I just saw this, this character, like give it all up. And then the whole world is destroyed. And then the game tries to say, no, we're okay. You did good. You did good. And I'm just like, I, I don't know if I did. Uh, I don't but, know if, like, that's the end of this game. I don't know if this game is saying something good. Like, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> but even there, the ending, it's like you, you pointed out, Josh, is like you're sort of like moving around the screen. And the only point of reference you have is the word end with that, that question mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, so it's like, oh, no, we're all fine. We're, we're fine. We're, we're good. And it's like, the, the, there, there's even sort of a question there. It's like, really? And why can't I see you? Man. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like there's more to process through. Like, I I haven't caught it all, but when I when I mentioned it to Wes and he mentioned Nier Automata, it, it started clicking into place at least. Okay, that's the category that I get to put this in my mind. I don't have to accept what it's saying. I don't have to agree no. with what it's saying. And I, I view it and I, that I can evaluate that. And that's, that's even like the disappointing helpful. or frustrating part of the game, right? Is like, that's, that's the, it's like, because it doesn't put a nice bow on it. Right. It's just like, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of brilliant. It's also infuriating. Yes. Um, yes. Both of those things. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Wes, I and just artists. Yeah, and so we're artists. not going to put a bow on this episode, and that's the end. See you later, bye. <laughs> no, <laughs> un- unlike Etoy, we will actually put a, um, we will put a bow on this thing. We will sort of land the plane, and I think it's it's time to start doing that. Um, Wes, I I did want to say before we sort of really wrapped it up, dude. 
when when I first started playing this, I I kind of was like, eh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then and I never fell head over heels for this game, but after this mm-hmm. conversation and after sort of like, I I think primarily the game framed by this sort of this conversation that is like really. I, I really appreciate it. And I just wanted to say thanks for making us play it. Um, Forcing. Well, well, 100%. <laughs> well also, like, now guys, this is the game I'm choosing. I'm going to make sure that you can do it. Yes. Yeah. And alleviate your conscience. Exactly. <laughs> also allowing me to, because I would yeah. not have been able yeah. to, my conscience would have been bound. Had yeah, you not mm-hmm. helped. So thank so, you. So I, yeah, I did. I just yeah, I wanted to say thank you for for that. Uh, it's been this is I think one of the more interesting games that we've had to tackle in recent history. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. At, at least this year so far, it's been yeah, you know uh, we we got right. some real we got some real doozies in the, in the coming weeks. So. Um, <laughs> Yes. But I guess all that being said, I think it is time to just start landing the plane. And and I don't know. Uh, well, Josh, we did sort of, I did throw out a bit of an ultimatum a while ago about yep, saying that true. we needed to, there, there was a question that we, we had to answer. But uh, I think as far as shout outs, I, 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 I'm, I'm actually, and maybe this is just a bit of a cheap shot, but I'm going to shout out Wes. I'm going to shout out Wes for, making us play this game that has leave leaving me pretty conflicted, but also then again, like in, uh, sort of providing the opportunity uh, for us to sort of obtain this legally. And in a way that sort of allowed us to, to, to approach the game with, with sort of clean hands and clean consciences. Um, mm-hmm. At least. Yeah. Well, and, and just like quite welcome. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was no, just go gonna say, just like the the weird like time distortion effects of this game, um, I also yeah just really appreciate all those new episodes that you've made on your new phone of Retronim. They're fantastic, and I love it. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, absolutely. We're we're so living we're in the future for a while. Yeah. Man, it's crazy when I talked about that one topic about that one thing. Oh yeah, yeah. that was that great. Book, the book. That was oh, a great man. study. Yeah. We should so, do more so of those. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, I thank you guys for taking the time to listen to me, you know, I don't know, rant and rave about this game. It's, I, I think I described it to Josh as it, I think it's one of my favorite games that I absolutely hate at the same time, you know, holding that dichotomy. <laughs> yeah. I can and understand like, that. I have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And at the very least, I, I'm glad that you gave me another shot after forcing you to play the Persona dancing games. So, you know, I, I'm one for two now on decent games. <laughs> I, I would say that the Persona dancing games were fun. I mean, they weren't like, they weren't going to like knock our socks off, but I, I enjoyed them. That visual novel sort of like on the Persona 4, that that was that was a little rough, but mm-hmm. I... Yes. Mm. Complete trash, yeah. And garbage. I enjoyed. I enjoyed I like the that. actual. A little rough. It was complete trash. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm trying like to be it. nice. And he's like, it was terrible. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, that Persona Three soundtrack, though, man. I mean, it might crack my top 100 for that good. alone. So I don't know. So, and and I and I alluded to this a, a couple of minutes ago, but we have a there is a thing, Josh, that we need to we need to. Yes. What? 
Is your question? And so I'm just going to, Adam Rook basically pose this to us and we'll, we'll have to get a hold of you, Adam, uh, and sort of figure out the details for your $5. Um, you get the $5 holler. Um, but you asked us uh, what basically are three desert island podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. If you're on a desert island, you can only bring three podcasts with you. Only three podcasts. The entirety of that library and into perpetuity. Mm. And I I came at this from pretty much a purely sort of like mercenary sort of perspective. And these are not the three podcasts that I'd like to listen to the most. These are just the three that I think would provide me the most content. Um, okay. Although okay. I do enjoy uh, all all three of them. Yeah. Okay. So what I would do is a, I subscribe. I I have. A, I pay five bucks to the Last Damn Media Patreon, and I get so that mm-hmm. I have the patron feed, um, and that gets me uh, Sacred Symbol, uh, Sacred Symbols, Sacred Symbols Plus, Defining Duke, Defining Duke Ultimate, uh, Knockback, and I think that's it. I think those are the only podcasts that they do. So that, Is that that's all, a on ton- the same feed. That's all on the same feed. Um. So it's mm-hmm. like those. So that's that'd be one. That's cheating. <laughs> like, how are you going to keep but paying okay. your subscription when you're on a desert island, uh, dude? Like, that's not my problem. <laughs> I don't need podcast. to. Fig- <laughs> I don't need to figure that out. I just, I'm just telling you. The other would be the Reform Forum feed, which actually is a very similar thing. Reform Forum has a number of programs, um, and I would probably, and I think all of those are useful. And so that would be the last one. And the last one would just be like a pure guilty pleasure. But uh, all of uh, the, the way I heard it with micro, um, it was actually a toss up between that and uh, This American Life because I do really enjoy This okay. American Life. Oh, wow. Um, but they sort of scratch the same itch. And if I'm going to listen to one of those, like I'm going to, which is sort of like a storytelling vibe and you know sometimes interviews i just think mike rose more entertaining and i think he's actually got as a general rule more worthwhile things to say i'm not saying Mm -hmm. these are like my three favoriteest podcasts in the whole world i was just like i came at it very like strategically and i was like Mm -hmm. i'm going to (laughs) i'm going to exploit this so there you go only three yeah okay uh, I see. I see the exploitation there. Um, so the three that I choose. First of all, I decided that I was not going to go for the low hanging fruit, the Play Well Network podcasts. You know, so Retronym, Dyson Dreary. Those were well, off the although table. Although we wholeheartedly recommend all of the Play Well Network podcasts. Definitely, we do hang pretty low. You know. <laughs> well, and in that same spirit, I actually I decided I wasn't going to put any video game podcasts on there as well. Because it's like Desert Island, okay? What what am I going to do about hearing about new video games? Okay, like that would be fun, but instead, I'm I'm just not going to do that. So I know this is a bit of a weird list um, when you come to a video game podcast and ask for three podcasts. Um, so the first one is more of like a theology podcast that I keep up with. It's one of the few that I, I keep up with all the time. I just enjoy it. It's the Alpha and Omega, the Dividing Line with James White. Um, White. Sometimes he gets on his hobby horses and I might not agree with everything that he says, but I think he's good at explaining himself. I think he's a teacher 
Um, so he has a lot to say on a lot of different topics. The dude teaches Greek in church history. Um, he's got all, he, he's uh, an apologist as well. So um, he gets into issues with Mormonism and, and uh, Islam, um, Catholicism, uh, textual criticism, like tons of different areas. So I For, really enjoy and, and what, what, it, what I will say is I, I take umbrage with some of, White's positions, yeah. but I do have a tremendous amount of respect for him, uh, especially in his work in sort of engaging Muslim communities and Mormons. Mm -hmm. And like he is a Greek walking Greek lexicon. So yeah. he preaches with a Greek text. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so very, very smart dude. I'm not saying everything that he says, I, I agree 100%. Yeah, no. But um, I think he's good at explaining why he believes certain things, even if it's not all, always convincing to me. Um, and there is a very long backlog of episodes. So funny enough, that that was also kind of the way That's that I was helpful. thinking. <laughs> um, okay, so the other two. Uh, this one is the podcast that got me into podcasts, okay? And so I've been picking it up recently, actually because of this question. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this is still really good. It's a podcast called Lore. Okay. Oh, it's about dude, dang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a podcast of like eerie folk tales that are just told really well. The guy has a team and they they research different folk stories and and pick up history. Um, and of course it's embellished, you know, they they tell just some crazy stories, but it's spooky and it's got like a spooky soundtrack, piano soundtrack to it also, and it's just unnerving. And I love it. And they've they've also have like multiple hundreds of episodes. He does have a bunch of other podcasts that he puts out, but I'm not going to add any of those because there's just three podcasts, right? So um, it's it's always fun to kind of catch up on lore. Um, and then finally, one just for fun. Uh, it's a comedy podcast. And th the sad thing about it is that I'm not sure that I can recommend listening to it now because uh, this is 372 pages that... <laughs> We won't get back. Um, it is hilarious. They read bad books and then they read and they talk about how bad they are and why they're bad. So it's you also get some learning in you know some teaching how to read things critically, how to recognize yeah. bad writing, things like that. But it's also just really funny. However, the current book that they're reading has some very explicit parts in it and made me just not want to continue it. So I can't recommend. Super Constitution. I know a book called Super Constitution. How can that be bad? Hmm. It uh, it it goes places that may make you want to get a barf bag. Um. So, barring this current book that they're on, the podcast is absolutely right. It starts some, off. Some of that? those books that they cover are just. Yeah. It is. What is the the one? Uh, she's a supermodel, uh, or was it? Oh, uh, uh, Model Land? Model Land. Model Land oh, by yeah. uh, <laughs> Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks. Right? Yes. <laughs> Holy crap. Fever <laughs> Dream. Yes. Worse like, than Mother 3. <laughs> like, pff, Mother, like, as incoherent as sometimes the narrative seems in Mother 3, it's like the, the bits and pieces of. If Tim Burton tried to remake Mother 3, it would be Model Land. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. All right. Or maybe Xenoblade. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, it's, it would definitely be Xenoblade too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. That, maybe that fits a little Dude. bit better. 
Um, so mm-hmm. those are my three. I, I do have a runner up just because it's a new one and I'm really enjoying it. It's one that I talked about uh, maybe about a month back. Um, it's actually here local. It's by some some teachers at a classical Christian school up the road from here. It's called Classical Stuff You Should Know. They just have some fun personalities that play off of each other and they address themes in classical literature. Um, it's fun and it makes you think about some of these bigger things that we as humans wrestle with throughout time. Um, and it's cool to catch up. I, I am super interested in that kind of stuff. I'm not too well versed in the classics. I know some of them, but this is helping me to learn more of them. So classical stuff you should know. That's, that's a little runner up. So I guess I'm cheating too. There we go. That's 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 my top or my my desert island podcast wes do you want to weigh in i okay okay i'm gonna say these podcasts these are not necessarily an endorsement for said podcasts i would not necessarily recommend these for people other than me <laughs> not for you i being not necessarily <laughs> recommend these for people <laughs> other than me but for me salsa monkeys probably salsa monkeys i think they'd get a hoot out of it okay so here are a few Three. I'll do, I'll do three. I'm just looking through my podcast list and I'm like, these three got to me. Okay. First one would be the Art Bell Tape Vault. Are you guys familiar with Art Bell whatsoever? No. Mm-mm. Not Rob Bell, but Art Bell. He was a radio host for years and years and years. He would do three hour shows basically every night, like past midnight. And he would just talk about the most ridiculous things. He would talk about aliens. He would talk about UFOs. He would talk about time travel. Okay. He would talk about anything. You're talking like, literally like late anything. night AM radio vibes. Exactly. Okay. And Art Bell was the master of it. Okay. And there is this one feed where they are just cycling through the best episodes that he's ever done. And I will just turn that on. I will be instantly transported back to like <laughs> two in the morning, laying down in the room, listening to the radio and all the little scratchiness of that. And it's just, it's magical. Like, this guy goes everywhere. Like, literally no topic is off limits to him (laughs) in terms of, like, the paranormal and the supernatural. And it's just bizarre stuff. So much like Mother 3. Uh, The second (laughs) podcast, this one I can kind of recommend with a caveat in that there's, you know, there's language. It's called the uh, Konzenshu Podcast. Much like Josh mentioned, like, this is the podcast that got him into podcasts. Well, this is the one that did. It's a Dragon Ball podcast. Been going for about... 500 episodes it's been going since 2005 it was the first podcast that i really dug into wow and it it's very professional they talk about a stupid anime that's been going on and that still has updates and everything here and there and they do it in the most professional way possible in the type of weeby minutiae that i am just very much into (laughs) so that one's great and then the final one i definitely will not recommend to anybody nobody should ever go and listen to this it's another thing that, you know, I found in like, you know, 2004, 2005 as a young teenager. It's called the Phone Losers of America. And all it is, is just this guy that does prank calls. <laughs> he does prank calls and he records them and they're absurd and ridiculous. Usually, usually a lot of bad language, but they are actually hilarious. <laughs> and this guy has been putting out podcasts basically every week since like 2005, 2006. Wow. And it's wonderful. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's horrible mm-hmm. and it's wonderful, <laughs> but he prank calls everybody and he has some episodes where he's just going through like, this is the entire history of my calls to this old 80 year old woman. Oh, oh and gosh. this is the history of the prank calls I made to the people living at the Brady Bunch house. And it's just absolutely just off the wall. So if you want some <laughs> really terrible prank calls to listen to, 
there you go. That, that's that's where I'm at. Well, so that shows you a little bit about the absurd mind that is the Hench and Dad himself. <laughs> I love it, man. And you were quick on the draw. This has literally taken me like weeks to nail down. So, but you just, yeah, you got him that quickly. That was awesome. That was fantastic. I need a lot of laughs on a desert island. I feel like this yeah. will provide me. <laughs> yeah. Keep the morale up. Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like, oh no, this is why I'm on the desert island, not dealing with people. <laughs> He's like, I need a break from everyone. <laughs> yes. Oh man. That's awesome. Well, I think it's it's time to start sort of buttoning it up. But Wes, mm -hmm. before we sort of really roll out here, why don't you just take a quick second here to plug your stuff and tell people where they can find you? All right. So I am the Henshin Dad himself. You can find me as the Henshin Dad on Twitter. You can find me as Retronym on Twitter. I have two podcasts that are currently not being updated, mostly because my son decided to throw my computer off of the you know kitchen table and because my previous phone broke, so I haven't been putting anything out. I have a new phone now. It should work better right now. So you can find me there. And Henshin Dad, I talk about Tokusatsu. And on Retronym, I'm just going to be talking about games and stuff related to games. And I'm hoping to get to a book study soon about the characteristics of games, mm. which will be highly like academic and i'm not sure i'm actually going to be able to explain things properly but you know what i just kind of you know i'm a teacher i just kind of fudge it until you know it sounds good so that's my life that's where you can find me and here a lot because i do a lot of stuff here apparently you do yeah well you do a fair amount here but uh josh i guess that lee that, that begs the question where can they find us if they're they're interested Oh man, so many places. You know, we've been talking for three and a half, four hours or so about Mother Four. Mother Four, why did I even say that? Mother Three. Uh, but if you have any information on Mother Four, feel free to shoot it our way at uh, the backlog breakdown at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. Our handle's at bbdowncast, Instagram.com slash the backlog breakdown. We've got a Facebook group, the hashtag backlog book club. Um, and then also there's a link for the Discord where we're hanging out all the time. A uh, link for that is in the description. And then if you want to get a little bit more personal, I generally go by Broccolope on the internet. And Nate goes by... Nate underscore McKeever. Yeah. So I think, and, and again, uh, it, this you know, what I would say is like, I don't think this is an exhaustive conversation on Mother 3, but I think we... It's exhausting. We, it is exhausting. And I think we're probably all sort of at, at sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel here as far as just like what we can put into it. And I guess uh, we, we've we done what we sort of set out and uh, to do tonight. And, and Wes, again, I just wanted to say thank you for sort of like putting this on the radar and sort of like pulling the trigger on making this your patron pick. I think when we talk about uh, next year's top 100 list, this is probably going to work its way somewhere on there so uh good call man um it's definitely it's it's definitely something to chew on so but mm -hmm. that being said i think it's time to just call it a night boys and uh i think there's just one last little bit that needs to be addressed josh we're done here for the night uh but until next time what should they get into what should they do guys keep beating down your backlogs and we'll keep breaking down the benefits and give your regards to the next frog you meet I was just going to say fuzzy pickles. Fuzzy pickles. Fuzzy pickles. Fuzzy pickles. Fuzzy pickles.